What do you think of the average Englishman? Much too cold. Except when he drinks too much, of course. Collected our brother's little offering yet? Have you? Oh, sir, I forgot. Pardon me. Dangerous. Perhaps you would care to join our little circle now, Mr. Lawrence. Yeah? Thank you very much. Excuse me. Hello. And welcome to all the best lines. <laughs> what was that? I was, it was my posh Britishness. Ah, I was trying, because we were doing quintessentially British, I was going, hello, for effect, you'll see. Because this is how Americans think we all talk anyway, so. Please stop doing accents. Might as well. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told that before many times. Anyway, hello. I, oh, f*** off. <laughs> I'm Smokey over there's Adam. <laughs> Hi. Hi, it's Adam here. Um, Off to our ramshackle best. Do you not realise that you actually sound pretty English anyway? <laughs> you think? I think you have the sexiest voice in podcasting. Oh, well, thank you very much. Some other people do too, but I, I disagree. I, I should hasten to add. What people? But do, do you not remember that, like, uh, every time that Otto in A Fish Called Wanda t- tries to take the mick out of English people, and it's always, oh, yeah, sorry... You know, pip-pip and all that <laughs> nonsense. And it's just sort of like, oh, come on. That's a lazy stereotype. That sounds like a drunk man not getting what he wants at a chip shop. Just, hey, shut <laughs> I could <laughs> chips and mushy peas. <laughs> yeah. But how would it sound if um, uh, Boris Karloff was ordering chips and mushy peas? <laughs> chips and mushy peas. If you please. <laughs> if you have the time. <laughs> <laughs> Dance, monkey, dance. But, uh, anyway, my friend, how are you? Mm. I'm great. How are you, Smokey? I feel like I'm I haven't seen well. you for years. This, you know, obviously, this is the only show we do together. No, it's not. Yes. We also do the no, House of Hammer. Not. Oh yeah. God, you, you don't want to bury the lead too much, do you? Mm. <laughs> Get straight in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I always do. But yeah, let, let's let's talk about that. Yeah, House of Hammer, our new venture. That's good. Yeah, it's going well. Not not blowing our own trumpet. It's going, it's good. <laughs> it's great to <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> but I'm it's, not, uh, not, yeah. no, not blowing any trumpets or anything, but we, you know, it's nice to be uh, number one in the iTunes charts. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's lovely, though. We're, do- we're doing well. And it's, well, I mean, yeah, look, I mean, you're used to it. I, it's nice to be recognised for something that I'm doing, and because that's never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you got roughest bouncer at the Travel Lodge Security Guard Awards in 2002. Or R- roughest? Is that down to my appearance or down to my actions? I'm, I don't know. I'm just reading the plaque. <laughs> <laughs> it's next to the Red State poster. I wasn't there when they presented it, Smokey. You were supposed to be the one presenting it to me, and you <laughs> didn't show up. Too busy robbing the house. <laughs> you, you didn't take the red state poster, though, did you? Why would I? <laughs> How dare you. you? You stole my Una O'Connor signed picture instead. <laughs> it's more at my strength. Yeah. I know. I know. But, uh, but, th- but things are well, my friend? Yeah, things are well. How are you? Yes, you've already asked that, but I, no, I'm good. The, the, the sun is out. Um, yeah. uh, I, I, I'll probably ask you again in a minute. It's all right. It's all right. Um, as long as you uh, don't tell me you love me about 10 times like you did on the last episode. That's all right. I do love you, though. Oh. Um, and I love you even more because um, your screen is frozen. And oh, is it really? 
or may, or maybe not. Maybe you're just holding. <laughs> maybe you've just like you. Perhaps you're just throwing your voice somehow, and that you're holding a cigarette like John Inman. I don't know. Oh yeah, you're right. Maybe, yeah. Hang on. I've got my screen has frozen. You're correct. No, don't do that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. No, I'm gonna send this picture to you. Right. I'm hanging up. I'm no, hanging up. Not. Right, I'm gonna send this picture to you. <laughs> oh, he's gone as well. <laughs> Bloody am. That's how you deal with it. <laughs> That is a scumbag move. <laughs> oh no, he's done it again. Oh, you've frozen again. What's wrong I with you? I don't know. I don't know what's going ha- on. Have you had Kev's gardener at your house? Apparently so. Yeah. <laughs> Poor old Kev. Yeah. Did you actually just text me that photo? No. Do you want me to? Oh no. Oh, oh, my phone just lit up. So I just wondered if you did. No, I haven't. No. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I don't know why my screen is freezing. I do apologise. I'm gonna save that for private bathroom time. <laughs> Oh, you, you lucky devil. It looks, it looks very post-coital. Anyway, how are you, Smokey? <laughs> <laughs> well, as, I, as I've said before, and I will say it from now until the end of time, I'm good. The sun is out. It's very warm. I am sitting uh, with a friend, drinking a beer and talking about a film. Tell him to go away, right? Because we're trying to record a podcast here. You, you, you used the same. I'm going to make that used, joke every time. <laughs> you used the same joke last time. Yes, and it never gets unfunny. <laughs> How are you anyway? <laughs> Can someone hit Adam? The record's skipping. I'm like a busted jukebox. Su- Suki, Suki, come and bite Adam, please. <laughs> please, don't, please don't call her. She's a sex pest. <laughs> What? It's a long story. Shh. <laughs> How are you? I I, I, I want to know now. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> I'm too busy looking at your face. Frozen in a cloud of smoke, I have to say this time. It's very mysterious. You look like a genie. Dearie me. I don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah. Can you can you see the picture? I can, yeah, yeah. I'm just uh, I'm restarting my camera, see if this, this deals with it. But uh, no, it just, it just keeps <laughs> doing it again. What the f***? It's like the end credits of a really bad 80s sitcom. You know when you get all these freeze frame images? <laughs> Smokey's put his middle finger up and it's freeze framed. Yep. Oh, this is the best night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, you frozen. <laughs> I was taking a picture. Oh, there we go. You're back now. There we go. Yeah, yeah, okay. We should do the whole show like this. I really want to look at that. Middle finger. The whole you can look at it, look at it, uh, my middle finger, as much as you want to, darling. Um, yeah. Uh, well, this is good. I mean, it's uh, it's been a while since uh, since we recorded. Uh, we've both been rather busy, so that's our excuse. Um, new, new new shows starting and everything, and then obviously uh, the, with the the country reopening, I'm fully back to work now, even more so than I was before. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's that's yeah, that's one of those things, isn't it? But but always a good thing. Always a good thing is we may have possibly had some correspondence from a couple of people. Yeah. Well, first, before you read the correspondence, I must know. Mm. How are you? Uh (laughs) On with the correspondence. Wow. You're going to be like this the entire show, aren't you? (laughs) I can't guarantee that I won't. (laughs) I'm looking at a freeze frame picture of your middle fingers. (laughs) That's a yes. Feeling playful. All right. Okay. Um, we did get a very brief um, return uh, correspondence from uh, our friend from the last episode of uh, of Anne Rogers. Give me some Anne Rogers. You can have all Anne that you want. It's only a very brief one. Oh, both Anne barrels. Yeah, but she but she says hello, you two. 
She says, uh, <laughs> she said, hello, Anne. She says, I just heard the first half of the show and I must say I am shocked at the response. I am slightly blushing from hearing you two giggle like schoolgirls. <laughs> She's right, we were. <laughs> Anne, how are you? Uh, yes, we hope you're well. And then, and then she says, Adam, this is mm-hmm. directed to you. Mm-hmm. She, she says, she is happy to oblige on the crazy night with you. But bring Smokey along too. The more, the crazier. No, 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 no. Last time I did that, I, I couldn't walk for a week last time Smokey came. <laughs> did you hear him shoot that down instantly? Hang on, she adds a caveat in, in the fact that she says that, um, uh, I hope I haven't made any of your fans jealous. Uh-huh. And then she says, all the best, Anne. So that was very sweet of Anne to, to respond. Not, not a single one is Um yeah, but by the way, can I can I just put a um, a, a, a halt on this um, rumor being spread by people we know and we know who they are um, that I'm writing these emails myself. Um, these are all genuine. All genuine. You know that you know everything about this is genuine. Yep. So you know they yeah. come from they come definitely come from someone. Yep. Who who lives in York? Real people. Yeah. Exactly. A real person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Um, right. So we're not. Uh, we've got one more email, but before we get there, um, I would just like to point out that we've had two uh, more five star rating and reviews on, on iTunes. We? Which country? Uh, the, uh, from the US. Okay. And um, the first one is from someone we're going to mention in just a moment, which is our lovely friend Zach, who is a uh, part of our film club and the host of the Ballyhoo uh, podcast. And um, we love Zach. We do. We absolutely love Zach. And so he gave us a lovely uh, rating and five-star review. And then, But then someone else did as well. Now, I'm not going to name this person because I don't know if I want to. Um, but I thought, you know, for posterity, uh, we should we should read this out for, for the listeners. And this is, yeah, as I say, this is in the US. And they say, so it's a five-star review. Okay. And it says, the, the smooth and urbane Adam Roach discusses movies with a drunk sailor. <laughs> What the absolute? <laughs> f- I think that's pretty accurate, don't you? <laughs> Except they've mixed our names up. <laughs> A drunk sailor. Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> Smokey's probably seen what you've been doing. That's what down alleys. That's absolutely all it is. And when I when I say that, I mean selling contraband. Oh yeah, um, you know cargo and things. Well, this is true. I can't deny any of that. And you have a big, you have a big hoopy earring and a parrot, and and you always look queasy. And you have scurvy. What a catch! So yeah, I'm I'm not going to read your name, person who wrote that, because I'm not sure how to take it. I'm gonna I'm gonna ponder on it, and I'll get back to you. I'll look your name up, pal. Hang on. No, 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 no! Don't you dare! Don't you dare! Of course I'm gonna. Yeah. Oh. You get on with your life, and I'll look at this thing. <laughs> on with your life. <clears throat> Why can't I find our podcast on iTunes? <sighs> if I can't find it, no one else is going to be able to find it. <laughs> the have, you, have you remembered? Have you remembered what it's actually called? <laughs> it's Boy Hammer, isn't it, or something? Here we go. All the best lines. <laughs> G-Man Brad. There we go. There we go. Oh, I just read Zach's review now as well. Oh, you people. Sweet. You need to <laughs> Will you stop it? <laughs> People are being very nice. I wonder if we have any other reviews from any other countries. Let's have a look. Oh, wow. We're going to be really self-indulgent. Yeah. Oh, what a terrible show this is. 
<laughs> Everyone in Britain. <laughs> okay, you you carry on, Smokey. I'm going to look at Australia. No, no, I I need I need your full attention for what I'm about to, to okay, read. Right. So. You got my full attention. Thanks, G-Man, Brad. I've looked up your name. Yeah, thank you. Whatever you're called. Yeah. And from Smokey, I'd like to just say a big R. That's a pirate, not a sailor. How can you distinguish between the two? Well, I mean. Sailors don't partake in piratic nature, do they? They do if they're pirates. <laughs> this is true. I can't, I can't deny <laughs> that that is actually true. Well, speaking of lovely people, and we've already mentioned him before, we were talking about our friend Zach, and he has sent us a very lovely email, Adam. Um, and I and I wanted your full attention on this. So n- no, no, looking at uh, you know pictures of pictures of Una O'Connor. <laughs> That's you, sunshine. So anyway, right no, mate. This is this is lovely. So and and as I said, it gave, it gave me a little uh, a frog in my throat. Um, but here we go. So he says, Smokey and Adam. That's us, by the way. Um, he says, ten episodes ago, you unveiled all the best lines on the world, and it has been better for it. That's very sweet. He says, from moment one, I was aware and delighted that this show would provide a unique experience when covering the subject of Golden Age Hollywood. Ah. The two of you have created, yeah, I know. The two of you have created a space for film fans to to learn more of these films that is warm and welcoming, oh. particularly to those who have not seen the films in question. And in essence, you have given folks a wonderful kickoff point for their golden age Hollywood education. Ah. Bearing in mind to anyone who doesn't know Zach, he is a verbose man and he likes to talk, and we love that around here. So keep it up, Zach. So he says. He continues, personally, I found myself a part of that good feeling when seeing the devil doll for the first time. (laughs) Who knew when you picked that randomly for me to watch (laughs) that it was going to create such a feeling? Oh, my God. I can't believe I I can't believe that it started this revolution. I know. Because the devil doll should be required viewing for every infant. It's carry on. uh, Infant? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. There's no person in the world who should not go through life having seen the devil doll. I, I agree with that, my friend. But how about we put it to a better use and we try and persuade whoever owns the, the rights to it to release a Blu-ray? Yes. Hey, Jim, put it out on Blu-ray. For God's sake. All right? There we go. <laughs> Jimmy Turner from Turner for Classic Movies. Yeah. Um, he continues it's a film I can now cite as a further example of how Browning did manage to still create intriguing work in a post Freaks and Dracula world but you also provided much needed opinions outside the norm your discussion of His Girl Friday, a film I enjoy quite a bit, was fair and honest in a way that gave me pause to consider the factors upon which we perceive certain films as classics. And he's right. We did. We nailed it. So thank you, Zach. Um, because, because it's... Yeah, we nailed it. To a f***ing board. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Me, Adam and Tommy, oh. we kind of tore that film apart. But and as he points out, he says it was all done with respect to the material and to those who enjoy it. So, yeah. So he says, um, that's a that's a kindness. <laughs> that's a kindness the world of film discussion sorely needs and that you both deliver each and every episode. Oh, thanks, Zach. He's not done. Oh, okay. I'll tell you when he's done. He says, uh, the biggest strength in all of this, however, comes from the clear friendship and joviality that exudes from you both as you start off the shows and then listening to that casual banter meld into the discussion. Friendship? It has provided all... 
Yes. Okay. It has provided <laughs> it has provided all the best laughs at times when they have been needed in my own life. Aww. All the best and moments. All the best moments. He says, I'll end this observation I'll sorry, I'll end this with observations on you both. Adam, this is directed at you, my friend. Oh, I can't take praise. Just go on to you. It's fine. Tough, tough no, booby. No, it's gone to you. Tough booby. You're gonna have to listen. So Adam. A good joy in this show is hearing you get to kick back and relax in a conversation that clearly gives you joy, which is a wonderful addition to the style you bring to Attaboy. Additionally, the Sherlock Holmes episode provided not just an insight on your love for the series, but hearing you break it down in a way that was relatable to fellow film fans uh, makes the work you have done with Holmes all the more special. Smokey could not have gotten a better co-host to give that candor. Thanks, Zach. You're very sweet. Come on, dude. Isn't that beautiful? I don't take compliments very well. You really don't. Currently, at the moment, clawing my eyes out with forks. Wouldn't that be forking your eyes out? Yeah, forking my eyes out. Thanks, Zach. We love you. I forking love you, Zach. Forking hell. Okay. Uh, okay, here we go. He says, Smokey, I, I, uh, and I, and I take compliments incredibly well. So yes, you do. You know, yes. bring them on. So he says. I really do, mate. Well, they're so rare. It's just nice. I can't understand how. I mean, I've seen, I've seen several, I've seen several reviews of Trip on TripAdvisor from prostitutes. <laughs> I mean, you must be used to it by now. <laughs> well, so he says, Smokey, you have set up a very valuable tool with this show. Yes, you have. Yes, I have. He's called His name Adam. Is Smokey. Oh, yeah. f- he got that yeah. first. <laughs> beat ya! Beat ya! Damn it! He says, you have given the world a fantastic resource uh, for entering their own journeys with Golden Age Hollywood. He says, you do it with uh, admirable honesty. Uh, Honesty, again, I keep getting called honest. I I like this. Uh, And passion that gets folks excited for the latest title to be explored. The world of film discussion, and and I feel Golden Age Hollywood, can feel daunting and even intimidating. It can, Zach, I agree. Uh, All the Best Lines is further proof that it can be an accepting place for people to learn and grow their film education while having a laugh or two. And I agree with that. I agree. as well. Um, Sorry. Go on. No, no. Are you sure? I'm assuming this email is not done yet. No. Okay. Can I just quickly say then, quickly, that another great place for people to get this kind of stuff is, (laughs) yes, the year Mm -hmm. Valley Hill Review podcast, which is hosted by, coincidentally, the beautiful Zach. So um, this yeah. is very true. Yeah, yeah wonderful show. I, I actually, I'll be perfectly honest there, mate. I thought you were going to be seriously mercenary and pimp your uh, film club. So <laughs> I, I, I give you full credit for giving Zach some credit. I don't, I don't do that stuff. Okay, dog. Okay, dog. Um, <laughs> Hang on a minute. I'm just reading a review. Quite the talker. Three stars. <laughs> Brandy. For the survival. Are you done? That's uh, on your. Um, this Carry is on. all really nice and heartfelt. Quite the talker. Oh, oh look at this. Wash your sheets from <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> Two stars. <laughs> How did we come to this? Uh, it's called gin. Sorry, carry um, on. Go on. Okay, here we <laughs> goes. For the survival of appreciation... Uh, hang on, what? For the yeah, that's right. For the survival of appreciation for these films of the past, a show like this is of the utmost value and must continue ever onward. On that note, I must raise a glass to you both for all the best podcasting one can deliver, and all the best congratulations on reaching ten episodes. Yeah, who knew we'd get that far? Um, 
I look forward to you tackling the beloved Hitchcock classic, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Uh, the um, the 34 version is one I adore, and I cannot wait to hear the Smokey Adam take on it. All the best wishes, Zach. He then does add a PS, which is... Um, <laughs> I've been working on an invention that will make Andy Devine's voice more tolerable to Smokey <laughs> when it is finished. Is it called the mute button? <laughs> when it <laughs> that already exists. When it is finished, I'll help apply it to as many Western films for an easier experience. So there we go. The best way to get Smokey to like things is to mute them and then put a bag on Smokey's head, basically. Oh, thanks. As any York prostitute will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are such a tart today. What the hell is going on? Sorry. You know what, Zach? Thank you. So- <laughs> that was so sweet, Zach. <laughs> you colossal bellend. What have you done? Have you hurt yourself? No, I, just, I think I've bust the gut. You know when you say, you know, I'm going to laugh so much, I'm going to bust the gut. I don't know. Something about you and prostitutes. <laughs> 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 oh dear. Do you know what this is, right? Uh, this back, is it, right? You, you've room. been cooped up. You've been you've been doing so much out of boy and so much uh, secret history and so much House of Hammer. You haven't been allowed to soar free enough on all the best lines. That's what it is. You know, that's, that's what, it, what is. it is. Oh, let's let's not get off the track. <laughs> Poor old Zach. He sent this beautiful email. Uh, thank you very much, Zach. You're very kind. Um, it's it, You know what? Any, I think any podcast or any discussion that helps people further their love of classic movies is always a benefit to the world. And, you know, it's not just us. It's, no. you know, it's, it's yours as well, Zach, and many others. And There's uh, loads of them. Long may they reign. Because I think, I think lots of people are now coming around to the fact that this period in cinema is so much fun, so comforting, and so welcoming and so interesting but no i i actually think there's some merit in in that though is that um saying that i i found going properly back to the golden age of hollywood yeah slightly intimidating there's a lot to go through and obviously i mean take your show for example take out boy clarence for example you review two episodes uh, sorry two films an episode and you know, I've never heard of half of these people or half of these films. And and probably I won't even live to, well, I won't live till 80, but I won't even, I won't live long enough to watch all of these things. But there's so much good stuff out there. And it, and and when I can turn around and give, like, say, out of the past a, a, a 10 out of 10, or I could give the, the devil doll a 9 out of 10, it's sort of like, yes, there are these things out there for people like me who aren't in with your mob yet. You know, I'm getting there, but, you know. I like I like being the outsider for a little while. It's it's kind of cool. I I I don't think I don't think you're getting there. I think you've pretty much arrived, Smokey. I would say. Um, the the thing is, there are tens and tens of thousands of films from that period. They're not all great. I'll be honest with you. Some of them are terrible, but some people like terrible films, like I do. Yeah, you do. So I watch B movies, and every na- and I, the thing the thing is, everyone looks at these top ten lists and they say, "Oh, come with the win. You have to watch this, and you have to watch Casablanca, you have to watch oh, Citizen Kane, the greatest movie, and Vertigo, and blah blah blah." But they fail to see the you know the the ninety thousand other movies that were made that year 
even by Poverty Row Studios. And sometimes they're the ones to watch because, you know, if, if you sift through the silt of this stuff, yes. then you turn up the gold dust. You know, it's like it's like every now and then when you find it. Like I watched a movie yesterday called Two of a Kind. Okay. Never heard of it in my life. But I was looking for some noir stuff and I just downloaded a ton of noir films. It stars Edmund O'Brien, Elizabeth Scott. And it's all about a con, basically. Oh, they're trying to pull on the family. It was a bit like Anastasia. Okay. You know, they had a missing son that went missing as a child. And, um, you know, so they set uh, Edmund O'Brien up. They chop his finger off so he matches the kid. And Bye. then they send him into the family to try and assimilate himself to see if he can get hold of the fortune. Oh, uh, gotcha. Kind of thing. Yeah. And, and it was an hour and a half, completely, you know, non-essential. No, I'd never heard of it before. Not not a film that's on anyone's lists, and I was absolutely enraptured by this film. It's lovely when it happens, isn't it? When it ended, I was like, "Wow!" It's like I fell back on the bed and needed a cigarette, kind of thing. It was like, you know, I mean, that's the kind of film. Absolutely. Watch. So those are the kind of film that you want to broadcast about. I mean, I agree. And um, it, it, we stumble across them every now and again on my other show, not on Rated Age, and like, like we did one a few episodes ago, low budget British horror. Uh, found footage with one, I wouldn't even call it a star name, but one uh, name known to, to British people of Gordon Kennedy. And it was, it's one of the best horror films I've seen in the last four or five years. It's called The Borderlands. It's a, The Borderlands, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's so good. And, and, but, but just sometimes you just stumble across these things. And, and here, look, I can't take the credit. Ben picked this one. And, and so we, we stumbled across it. And, and sometimes you do, you sit back afterwards, one of these things, and just goes, wow. You know, it just takes your breath away. And, and that's what I love about films. Exactly. That's what makes you fall in love with films again. It's not because yeah. it's on a list, it's not because it's the eighth best film ever made. It's because you watched no. it and you just well, it just clicked with every single sen- one of your sensibilities. So that's why that's kind of why I chose this week's film as well because yes, let's talk about that. Well, you know, you said to me, I want a film that's ultra British, and I thought, well, it's got to be, yeah. it's got to be something Hitchcock. Let's go early. Well, I said, I said it had to be ultra British, but it couldn't be Brief Encounter. <laughs> yes, yes, that was your criteria. <laughs> So I thought to myself, um, well, let's do a Hitchcock. Let's go early British because that's when he was at his most British. Um, mm. And you know, famously, he did the five thrillers in the 30s, um, which were 39 Steps, Sabotage, uh, Lady Vanishes, The Man Who Knew Too Much, and uh, Secret Agent. Now, those five thrillers helped to establish not just his career, but also the thriller genre. They kind of rewrote the rules. Well, it kind of took him over to the States as well, didn't it? Exactly, yeah. But The Man Who Knew Too Much, I think, is sometimes overlooked because of the remake in the 50s. Why do you, th- why do you think that is? Because the remake was, you know, had bigger stars. It was glossier. I think it was a lot more of a serious film. Uh, Francois Truffaut, when he interviewed him in 67, he said that um, he preferred the remake in 56. And um, Hitchcock said, let's say the first version is the work of a talented amateur and the second was made by a professional. And that completely sums it up. If you watch the 34 version, which is very, I've always thought, a very scrungy 
kind of film. It's very raw. Like the cinematography is very sort of faded at the edges. The sound's not great. You know, the action is kind of very sometimes stilted. There's 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 one scene that cuts off mid sentence as well, which I yeah. always thought was weird. <laughs> <laughs> the fifty six version is just pure. You know, you can tell he's at the top of his game. Gloss. Well, yeah, I mean, he made it after Rear Window, right? I mean, Rear Window was 55, yeah. I think. So um, he, he was at the top of his game. He had big stars. You know, he wasn't he wasn't trying to experiment in any way. He was trying, he, he had a formula in his head and he was refining it. Um, so the 34 version for me has always been a, I don't know, I've always preferred it, I think because it had Peter Lorre, who couldn't speak English at the time. It, it, it displays a Britain, to me, that is far more authentic than the version you get in the 56 version. And crucially, it's a ton more fun. I, I can't disagree. Um, I, uh, I mentioned it in the last episode when you suggested this, is that I own the remake, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't and don't own this. Um, but um, it's readily available online. Um, uh there's something which I think you hit on perfectly by when I su- suggested I wanted a quintessentially British film. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't get much more. It, right, let me put it this way. Right, the most possibly possibly one of the most British things ever happens in this film is that a bloke gets shot and he apologizes for being shot. <laughs> Isn't that the most British thing ever? <laughs> Is that Louis Bernard at the beginning? Yeah. And he just goes... Yeah, no, he he goes. literally says to, to his uh, his mate, he goes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he is bleeding from the chest. And he says, sorry. Oh, my God. I, I, I love this film. Um, but but also is the fact that um, there there are oh, we'll, we'll go into the plot in just a second. But let's just continue on the on the British theme. Is that um, at, at one moment um, Leslie Banks's character uh, um, thinks that he's either going to be poisoned by a cigarette or a drink, and he still says thank you when he's passed one. <laughs> it's like come on, man, a little bit of peril. No. <laughs> See, I, I, I always, I, I, I remember watching this film probably five or six times over the course of a week when I first acquired it back in my teens, and I was like really taken with it, and I haven't watched it since. But it's always struck me as one of the most British films ever because you have the whole. I know the beginning is set in Switzerland. Um, but when you get to London, it's kind of very raw. You know, you go to the East End. It, there's no like, you know, it's not like it's set in Kensington or Bayswater or anything like that. It's no, it's no upper class. They go down to the, you know, the working classes. Um, the bit with the dentist, I, I always find superb. Uh, the whole, I mean, the the Albert Hall sequence for me is is stunning, meticulous, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, clockwork, yeah, perfection. So, plot, yeah, plot-wise, do you want to go? Yeah, I can go. So, it's... it's a, Right, so straight off. So, it's about a couple, as you say, they're in Switzerland. They have their daughter with them. And instantly, the daughter ballses up everything because not only does she ruin her uncle's... Well, uncle in quotes, uh, skiing jump, she then also destroys destroys her mum's attempt at being a clay pigeon shooting champion. Which, by the way, that is the most random, surreal start to a film ever. 
But uh, yeah, and I'm and, and as you know, I'm not the biggest fan of kids. But come on, way to ruin your bloody time away in Switzerland. Anyway, I like the way that um, she ruins the ski jump. By the way, you know he comes, he's coming down the mountain, sort of towards the finish line, and the the dog runs in the in front of the you know what's going to be come the skier. Uh, he kind of just blinds his eyes like this, like you know, uh, Prince Charming. Yeah, hand, hand across <laughs> the face. Yeah, it really yeah, was. That's one for Tommy. Um, but yeah, but but so that's it. I mean, so that that happens. They then go to dinner. The uncle is assassinated, and we find out that he had um, been working for some kind of British. What do they call it? Don't call it Secret Service. Special Service, isn't it? Um, special branch. Yeah. Special, yeah, and um, he had uncovered uh, a plot by um, nefarious people to uh, to kill uh, Mister Roper, who is a, a sort of a European mm, dignitary, yeah. isn't? But he? with his dying breath. And, um, yeah. As as um, mm. uh, Jill is cradling him on the the dance floor where they've just where he's just been shot and, and apologise for being shot as you say. Oh, um, he whispers to her, uh, "Tell Bob to get the message from my shaving brush," doesn't he? And then Bob yeah. does so and mm-hmm. is just about to say, "Well, I'm going to need to get to the British consul and give this message to the British consul to prevent this assassination." When he receives a message. Yeah, basically saying we've kidnapped your daughter. Uh, if you say anything to the authorities, you're you will never see your daughter again. They don't implicitly say they're going to kill the child, um, but they say yeah, you'll never see her again. So take from that what you will. Um, and therein leads to um, I was gonna. Uh, hmm. Do you think there are comparisons between this and North by Northwest? In what way? In a way, it's ordinary people caught up in a situation where they shouldn't be caught up in. That's every single Hitchcock film ever. Well, yeah, kind of, but that that's the first one that instantly springs to mind when you when if you gave that as a vague plot outline, that's the one that would instantly spring to my mind. That's literally the the driving force between behind every Hitchcock film. He he he. That was what he was terrified of, you know. Um, being caught up in a chain of events that you cannot control and you had no idea that you were ever going to be a part of. So, yes, I do agree with you. That's all I had to say. Um, I do see the... I, <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah, that that was... yeah. I, I, I do agree. I, I didn't instantly see the connection to North by Northwest. Um, but... Uh, now that you've pointed out the, the main trope behind it, then yes, it does I, I'm just saying, mate. When when I was watching, and I'd seen this before, and bearing in mind that I, 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 I mean, it must be my word. It must be 15 years or so since I saw this last. It's been a, such a long time, but it was lovely to catch up with it. And um, and then uh, this version or the 56? Uh, no, th- no, this cool. version. I, I, I've seen the remake. I've seen the remake a lot more recently. Um, as I said, I own I own the remake, so. Um, but no, this one has been such a long time. I don't know why it's been so long. Um, but um, so anyway, yes. So they kind of disperse back to England uh, and sort of saying, that, I mean, the, the way that there's a scene um, when they're being quizzed uh, by the sort of special service and they're sort of saying, you know, oh, your daughter's been kidnapped. And the flippant, the flippant way they deal with it is sort of going, eh, should be all right. I mean, I know they can't say anything, but it was, uh, I mean, my word, that must have taken some balls to say that. 
hundred percent. I I do agree with you. Um, I just want to quickly track back to the first scene because I found the the writing in this really intelligent. Um, usually, when you have um a married couple in a film, they are yep. only eyes for each other, and uh, there's yep. no kind of playfulness. Did you notice no. the playfulness between um Louis Bernard? who was you know, the guy who was going to be assassinated, his flirting with yeah, Jill, yeah. Bob's okayness with it, if that's the right word. You know, that whole yeah. that whole five minutes at the beginning, I think is just immaculately written. I don't mm. think, uh, technically, the whole, the, the first act of this film is as good as it could be. I think it's very rushed. I think Hitchcock just wants to get the plot in motion. He's like, you know, there's a special branch, there's a message, you know, there, there's there's yeah. a threat, there's a this, there's a that. Mm. You know? And I think when you watch it now, I do think the the fifty six version has a more polished kind of way of right. getting you into the main plot. But I do think that the thirty four version is a lot more fun. Uh, the whole bit where she's flirting with Louis on the dance floor, you know, sort of saying, you know, oh, mm. there's my husband. And and instead of, you know, being indignant about it, Bob's kind of, oh, my goodness, I'm heartbroken. He's kind of waving it away. I found that brilliant. But I, I agree. I am agreeing with you. However, what I will say is, is that um, I watched this twice over the last week or so. And um, because I hadn't seen it in so long, I'd completely forgotten. But the, the first time I watched it, it felt like... Um, they had they had separated, um, so it was uh, uh, Bob and Jill that they had separated, and that now and now she was with the other guy with Uncle Thingy Bob. What's his name? Uh, Louis um, Bernard. Louis. Sorry, uh, with Uncle. Louis. So it was like they'd separated, but they were still best mates. Right. Okay. And so and so the sort of joking. So that that was on the first view, and so 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 like oh well, this is quite modern. This is like a, a thruple, but they've kind of diverged into a couple in a single guy and then the set obviously the second time i watched it it was sort of like ah i get it now it just wasn't signposted enough at no, the but beginning don't don't you, um, don't you find that a really mature kind of um refreshing oh, surprise yeah. i mean i love their relationship yeah. because they're a married couple who are yeah. so in love with each other and so comfortable with each other that they can play flirting games with each other um at the beginning of a film where there's no exposition it's almost like I, I like, like I really admire that. I really admire that writing at the beginning of the film because I think that's a total uh, result of Alma and Hitch writing together. You can totally see she's saying, "Let's not make it formulaic, right?" She flirts, and he's fine with it because he's secure in his relationship. I love that about their relationship in this film. It's a little bit. Uh, um, I mean. It's a bit of an odd comparison, but it was just something you waxed lyrical about before. It's a little bit like uh, Nick and Nora, who they, they only have eyes, they only have eyes for each other. Yeah, that is a hundred percent it. Yeah. That's, it's Nick and Nora. <laughs> You're agreeing right. with yourself. No. <laughs> I snapped my finger and everything. <laughs> hey, that past Adam, he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> no, but you know when you see a married couple in a movie yeah. that are so uh comfortable with the way the other person sure. acts yeah. and they just know each other so well. Yeah. It doesn't matter because you know they're playing these flirting games. Even Louis Bernard, he's in on it as well. Yes. You know, they're trying to you know, you know it's beautifully played. I have to say the relationships in this film are 
immaculately written. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, but it plays out well. And, and also I've got, I've got to give credit to, um, to the child. Um, didn't hate her. She's very good in this. There's a scene. She is. Um, well, we'll get to it later, but where mm. she, um, cries against her father's shoulder. That, yeah. um, does, you know, it does raise the old heckles. You do, you do feel a bit fearful. Do you, do you think that, um, I was going to say, do you think that impacts more because you're a parent? Maybe, maybe. I mean, I can't ever go back, so I don't really know. But um, I do, I do. Uh, that she she acts that part incredibly well. I would say you can see why Hitchcock said this is a star in the ascendant. He cast her in yeah. Young and Innocent and everything afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But well, well, I all, all I all I can say from from personal experience is is I'm not one, and I will never be one. And but I can recognise child acting talent when when I see it, and and yeah, she's 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 brilliant. It, yeah, and, and, and coming from you know the thirties as well, when acting mm-hmm. you know styles were very different and not as immersive, should we say? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's even more impressive, and coming from a child, and coming from Britain, so um, she really was yeah uh, an incredible talent. So yes. I'm yeah, super glad um, picked up. No, no, absolutely. Um, we should point out that uh, for for those who haven't seen it, is um, that Peter Laurie is sort of omnipresent from the very beginning of the film. He, he's always around. He's always there. He just seems like a, um, a a happy drunk person who just likes being where he is and just you know and laughing at other people's misfortune, which is fine because I like doing that too. We all do, <laughs> but. Um, I've just got but before we go any further. <laughs> well, that's true. And uh, before, before, yeah, we're British, but um, conversely, we enjoy Schadenfreude. Go figure. So, um, but I've got to, I've got to say, the more I see now, the more, the more I see Peter Laurie, uh, the more I like him more and more and more. He's just, he's, be- he's becoming one of my favourites. Oh, mate, um, you know, you can't go wrong with Peter Laurie. He never puts a foot wrong, even in the worst films. He's always the best thing in it. Well, I'm looking at I'm looking at the old list because you know I do keep a list of everything I see. Look at the list. It doesn't matter how bad the film is that he's in. If he's in it, mm. you've always got a moment. It's like it's like walking through a desert <laughs> and finding an oasis. Oh wow, nicely put. Um, so obviously I've seen this, and I'll just go through them quickly. Uh, Ask Nick and Old Lace, obviously. Mad Love. Uh, the chase. Are these the ones you've seen? Friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the chase. Uh, M. Uh, Maltese Falcon. Um, Casablanca. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've just. I mean, oh, granted, a lot of those are classic movies, and so that's fair dues. But it's sort of like, just the more I see him, the more there's something about him, and I don't even know if it's like pure acting talent. I honestly don't know, but it's just. It's just a joy to see him on screen and do what he does. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, it's wonderful. To totally see. agree. Yeah, totally agree. You can't go wrong with Peter Laurie. He he literally livens up every scene he's in. Before we go any further, my friend, um, I think I can guess, but Gush of the Week? Well, it, <laughs> Ed, it has to be Edna Best. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? There's there's very little else it's to Edna choose Edna or Peter Laurie, if I, you know... Don't please don't say Nova Pilbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear God! <laughs> but she but she's lovely in this. But by the way, 
Let me just ask this, right? I mean, maybe this is just me. There's a scene later on. We'll get to it eventually. And we need to race through the plot now because we are going way over time. Um, there's a scene... <laughs> there's a, exactly. But there's, a, well, hmm. but there's a scene later on where Jill has left the house and there's a phone call comes in and the maid answers it. And the maid looks exactly like Edna. I, I didn't get that. Have you not? I, I was there going, hang on, she's left. Why is she there as a maid? Oh, no, it's not her. Yeah, my word. It's just, I was really confused for about five seconds. I was like, no, it's a different, it's a different actress. <laughs> Completely. So uh, before we go ahead, I think we should probably fill in a bit more plot because otherwise in the end would make sense. So basically what, um, the film opens in Switzerland where Jill and Bob are on holiday with uh, their daughter, Betty. And um, uh, Jill is flirting away with Louis Bernard, who is a Frenchman. Who, who it turns out the, the scene with the knitting the scene with the knitting was good yeah very good I mean, just so playful and so creative and just you know again an example of a scene that didn't need to be in there but Hitchcock obviously thought to himself you know this will be fun let's do this and also it will add to the story and it does you know Bob's like playing with the fact that his wife's flirting with a French man and ties the bloody wool to the guy's back and it's tripping everyone over and then the shock yeah, comes great. out and it just it just shocks this whole scene <clears throat> sorry <In> silence <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> um also at the same time jill has been having a shooting match with uh ramon at the i i want to say resorts they're at it's yeah. kind of like a swiss resort and he's an he is an he's played by frank prosper um <laughs> Who had a very tragic life. Oh, did he? He did, yeah. He basically fell in love with Miss Great Britain and um, said to her, if you don't choose me, I'm going to kill myself. And she said, well, I don't choose you. So he drowned himself literally no. three years after this film was made. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, Excuse me, but f***ing hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very dark. Wow. Very dark life. But um, that's Jesus. what you get for being an international assassin. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> Um, Your sympathy goes out the window, so then. <laughs> the, the film opens with um, Jill having a shooting match with Ramon. And uh, she loses because she's distracted. And Ramon says to her, and I love this part, he says, we'll have a rematch someday. And she says, I'll look forward to it. Which, which I love because you know when you get to the end of the film, and it's not even... It's not even like emphasized. No. But the rematch does happen in a way. Not not between her though. Well, no, but she does kind of Well, sort of. Yeah. Love it. We'll get to it. We'll get yeah, to it. we'll get there. We'll get she there. does she does she does win in the end. She a, does. She does. Title. Yeah. Yeah, let, let let's move along a little bit. So so they do they do go back to to England where obviously uh, we we know that uh, Betty has been taken. Mm-hmm. We have Betty's we have been the, taken to keep them silent. Yeah. Exactly. We have this cryptic message that um that the uh, special service are interested in and uh, that um Roper, that was the name. The, the Roper is going to be assassinated. Yeah, and the whole thing was that uh, Ramon, <clears throat> who she had the shooting match with, is uh, an ace assassin, basically. And he's been hired by Peter Lorre's character to assassinate uh, Roper at the Albert Hall um, during a concert, because that will spark a war, basically. Uh, and if uh, Bob 
dares mention that this is what's going to happen, then Betty will be killed, and that is... No, no. It, they never say killed. It was just that they will never see her again. They you, they make sure that they never mention killing a child. Mm, kind which of. you've... No. Mm, he does no. say to he does say to um the nurse at one point, well, not the nurse, the sister, um, please tell them that uh, they will be going on upon a journey, as Shakespeare puts it, from which no man ever returns. Well, that could mean anything, couldn't it? But uh, no, all right, all right, all right. I'm just playing devil's advocate, mate. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Um, if you were going to plan an assassination, would you do it at the Royal Albert Hall? Because I wouldn't. Well, it's the only place where you get a crash of symbols. Like. Oh, well, true. Yeah. true. <clears throat> but then do it like Leon off a, you know, a bridge in France when someone's taking a jog, you know. Do it like that. That's mm. easier. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. You're obviously not a movie maker. <laughs> well, no, this is true. I'm not. I'm really not. I'm not. Apparently, I'm not even a movie fan. <laughs> <laughs> Boring general. Oh, shush you. I'm still learning. But um, but the, the thing I loved about this, is, and just watching it over um, the last couple of weeks, was that obviously it being uh, 78 minutes long, it's not going to hang around. It's going to zip along. Is it 78 minutes? I thought it was like 65 uh, minutes. Th- the the copy I watched was seventy eight. Seventy you're right. Seventy five. Seventy five. Okay. Okay, cool. Um oh yeah, sorry, no, seventy five. Sorry, yeah. Well, either way. It's it 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 zips along. It has to. It has to. However, the uh, we'll we'll get to your favourite bit of the um uh dentist uh bit in a moment. But um but the the scene in the church, I mean, holy crap, that slows it down. Oh my god. The what? Sorry. The scene in the church is slows it down. Which part? Which, which part? I mean, the the the, the part where they're um, looking at the uh, the ritual that's going on. They're trying to, you know, sort of. Oh God, I've annoyed Adam. His mouth's agape. What have I done? Did you not like that part? I liked it. I just thought it slowed it down. That's all. You think it slows it? Oh my God, no. Yes. See, I think the first 15 minutes... I think the first 15 minutes of this film are... I wish I could have taken a photo of that face. (laughs) You could have done all kind of memes, couldn't you? Um, No, I think the first 15 minutes of this film are very imperfect. But once once, uh, Bob and, can I say, uh, Uncle Clive played by Hugh Wakefield, once they start going into the East End of London to try and find out where the bad is, I think the rest of the film is just immaculate. I, I, I don't... I don't. I agree. Yeah, look, I'm agreeing it's good. I just think it just drags the pace just a little bit. However, here, look, if I'm ever making a film, which I never will, but if I ever do, um, and I feel the pace is dragging somewhat... I am going to have a horde of blokes throwing chairs at each other. That chair fight. I mean, I just I I love that for its wackiness alone. Yeah. I mean, they have a chair fight. I mean, one guy gets hit in the neck and falls down. Yeah. And the next time yeah. you see him, he has a bandage around his cheek. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love right, it. It's brilliant. I, I love that bit. It's funny. It's funny. <laughs> and Uncle Clive sat in the chair and he's been hypnotized. And he gets a chair on the lap and still doesn't wake up. And then, oh my god, I, I, it's pretty, it look, I'm agreeing and with isn't you. Isn't it so British? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's also the bit is that I love. That there was a bit. Um, 
they're, they're holding... They're, oh, Christ, I keep, I keep forgetting his name. Um, they're holding Bob up with a gun and he just slaps it out of his hand. And it's like, <laughs> hang on, he's got a gun on you. What are you doing? It's, again, the most English thing. It's just slap, no... I'm gonna just I'm gonna disarm you and throw a chair at you. I like the fact that he goes up to the to the lady and says, um, you know, I'm I'm hoping to make an escape now as well. <laughs> like his little old char lady. She kind of pulls a revolver out of her, you know, macking yeah. it and just says, Oh yeah. no, you're not you know, <laughs> get back in there. But uh, there's the bit where uh, Peter Laurie sort of uh, uh, he doesn't say it directly, but he he sort of intimates uh, whether she has disarmed him. And she goes, oh, no, sorry, I completely forgot. And he just sort of, he leans in to get his gun. He goes, excuse me. And he takes the gun. It's just so English. It's just, uh, I, I love this. It's so quaint and it's so, it's just so, oh, God. I just love this film so much. Honest, mate, it, brought, it brought me back to um, to Pearl of Death when uh, they mm. tried to stick up homes and he it just went, no, thank you. No, thank you. It was just... <laughs> No, thank you. It was just like, yes! Pure so, prime so Englishness. Basically, <clears throat> the message that um, Bob finds in the brush mentions a man called Barbour. Uh, so he finds him in Wapping, and it's a dentist, basically. I don't even know why this is in the film. Because, you know, it's like there's a dentist, what, where they meet? I don't understand why they even meet at a dentist when there's a church downstairs that they meet at anyway. Mate, with, with the scariest, scariest papier-mâché teeth outside on hanging on the yeah, wall. I mean, yeah, he goes to Wapping. So he finds this place, and it's, you know, a barber or dentist place. So he goes, <laughs> poor Uncle Clive. Oh, my God. Isn't Clive, isn't Cl- Uncle Clive the hero of this he film, really by is. the way? He has a tooth yanked out. He gets hypnotised. He gets dragged off to prison. <laughs> it's like, oh, Uncle Clive. Uh, w- he's, like, just, he's just so unlucky. Anyone who hasn't seen this film is going, what the hell are they talking about right now? Anyway, so Bob goes to the West, the East End, sorry, with Uncle Clive to try and track down what's happened to Betty. Um, he finds that the barbour in the message is a dentist. He goes into the dentist, sends Clive into the treatment room to have a tooth ripped out of his head. Um, there, there's a great line, though. My Possibly my favourite line, because this is all the best lines. When uh, when he, Clive comes out of the, uh, the dentist's room, and he says, right, you stay here and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> this is pure Hitchcock. Um, I love so it. it then, Clive, then Clive, uh, Bob himself goes in after Clive's had a tooth yanked out of his head for nothing. <laughs> yep. Uh, Bob goes There's in. no reason whatsoever. Bob goes in there, uh, overpowers the dentist, gasses him, uh, puts him in the chair and takes his dentist coat and watches as Peter Laurie's character arrives and meets Ramon, and he hears them over over talking you know, talking about how the plot's going to happen at the Albert Hall. So that leads them on to the next part. Uh, so they go to this um, church that Peter Laurie's character is, like, the head of. It's like his cover. It's like he's like a vicar kind of thing. They're sun worshippers. And they have like these working class women who sort of come there and sort of worship the sun. It's an incredibly kind of... I don't even know how Hitchcock even came up with that kind of idea. There's a cult in the East End of London that worships the sun. And it's full of washerwomen and, you know, housewives and stuff. I mean, how do you even dream up that? God knows. 
kind of idea. I don't know. Well, I guess I guess David Koresh did. But but this is kind of cool though. You've got you've got to give this a hell of a lot of credit. Is that while they're so uh, Peter Laurie and Bill they're, they're, uh, and all his henchmen, they're, they're all in this room. They're secluded, and yet everything else is going on outside. But you don't feel bored. It's just like it's like a um, what was the film we watched? Um, that was the Devil Doll. It was like the Gentleman's Club where the police congregate in the Devil Doll. No, it wasn't. Was it Devil Doll? No, sorry. No, it was Obsession. Sorry, Obsession. Yes, the um, Gentleman's Club, yeah. Yeah, sorry. The Gentleman's Club in Obsession. And uh, and it's kind of like that, but they're villains instead of police. And it was just, it was, it was kind of like, but they're all being so polite. Yes, it, they're holding a gun to him every time he tries to go to the door. But to be fair, that's what you would do if you were a henchman. Didn't you love the scene as well, where um, where um, Clive and Bob are sat in the back of the church, and they don't know if they're in the right place. And uh, he sat next to him, and they start singing this song. <laughs> And he is sort of Bob can't not sing the song, but what he does is he kind of alerts Clive to the fact that they're being watched. There's a woman in the pew next to you. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> so perfectly it's, written. It's, it's we're in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we're about to be attacked by cultists. I've got to agree. It is. It's brilliant. Um, so there's also the bit is that Bob is just sort of letting everything wash over him. He's he's he, he's very polite. He says thank you to everything. He's he says please for everything, and then he just sits eating bread and butter and a bit of celery, and he's just he's got the biggest grin on his face, and it's just like he's quite happy to be there because he knows his missus isn't getting hurt. He's no he knows his daughter isn't getting killed, so he might as well just enjoy his time while he's there. Yeah, he's like well you know do it you know i'm sat in this i'm a hostage give me some celery (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that's what he does he just needed a bloody mary to go with it and he would have been chuffed and then uh basically what happens is because he then realizes what's um you know uh, he in the scuffle in the church he realizes that the assassination is about to take place at the albert hall so he alerts clive and says go and tell jill to get to the albert hall to uh, somehow stop the assassination that's going to happen. Doesn't work, though. <laughs> so Clive runs off and phones, and there's a beautiful sequence where Clive is phoning Jill, and so is Abbott's right-hand yeah. lady. Yeah, yeah. You don't know which phone call is going to get through first. You know, and Jill picks this thing up, and she says, hello, and then the lady says, hello, and then Clive in a phone book says, hello, and you're like, oh, I hope it's Clive. And it is. It's Clive. And he says, you know, get to the Albert Hall. You need to stop this assassination from happening. And so she goes to the Albert Hall. I mean, we can't do justice to the Albert Hall sequence. No, no. no. It's beautiful. It's it's a masterclass in, you know, visuals and sound. It's incredible. It's a masterpiece. Got to point out, though, has a woman ever looked finer than Edna Best in Fur? She's she's an incredible lady. She looks incredible, my friend. Do you know she went on to become um, a producer, writer, uh, director? I've I've seen her in uh, Ghost of Mrs. Muir. I saw her in that. Mm, yeah, she was in that. Yeah, but she yeah, also yeah. became a, a big radio producer. Like she produced a lot of the Sherlock Holmes radio 
um, series with Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. Oh, really? Yeah, she she was incredibly interested in you know producing things, not just you know starring in things. She was in uh, Intermezzo, which is oh, God one of the greatest love stories ever made. Um, anyway, wow. I digress. But yeah, a, a very interesting lady who who was not content to be a starlet, basically, and 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 chose instead to be uh, a more of a creative force behind. It's it's not scenes. too dissimilar to what we were talking about um, when we spoke about um, Evelyn Anchors and sort of saying she she knew she knew what she was doing. She knew her career path and how she could be successful, and so and that and that's what she did and. I mean, in the 30s, you've got to give a hell of a lot of credit. I mean, this is not me being patronising at all, but this is you've got to give a hell of a lot of credit to sort of go, okay, this is something I can do, and I can do it well. You, you're exactly right. I mean, lots of people in those times were going, you know, uh, I can make a ton of money from doing exactly what I'm doing now. All I have to do is have to wear these clothes and turn up in front of the cameras. Or I can make half, half the amount of money... Uh, by doing this, and I can also be creatively fulfilled as well. I think Edna Best and you know Evelyn Evelyn Anchors is a perfect example of that. Even people like Rita Hayworth, you know, she, she I mean, she could have done the glamour roles for the rest of her life, but instead she said, you know, I want to do something more interesting, and did you know Lady from Shanghai and um yeah, I I always admire the people. I mean, Margot Robbie for me is is one of those people who is. Uh, very much a Rita Hayworth character of today. She she's incredibly beautiful. I think everyone just sees the surface, but they don't see the ambition behind the surface sometimes. And um, it's nice to see in these days. It is, isn't it? It's like it's someone who's incredibly beautiful but incredibly driven, mm-hmm. uh, and and you you kind of assume they're going to be on this path and they're going to do. You know they're going to be in every kind of rom com, and they're going to be in every mm. kind of comedy, and they're going to be in every kind of light crap that will get them, yeah. you know, noticed. But the main meat of what they do is, as you know, creating these incredibly incredible stories. You know, like Mark Robbie's amazing. She's the total yeah. Renaissance lady. She's she's a producer. She's, and a, am- she's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love her best. species. Rita have Hayworth. You, Mark you... Robbie. <laughs> so Royal Albert Hall. So I mean. I can only imagine what it was like in the 30s in the fact, obviously, because, you know, 60 years before I was born. But you've got Hitchcock there who is still relatively new. And obviously he's got a few cameras set up around this. I take it it wasn't the actual Albert Hall. I yeah, mean, no, it, it was, was a set. It was the Albert Hall. Was it really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, holy crap. And, and that piece okay. of music as well. Everyone assumes it's some kind of like... Um, classical piece of music. It was written especially for this film, the Storm Cloud Cantata. I read about that. Yeah, mm. about because uh, they um, they didn't want to change it for the the remake. But you'd think, wouldn't you, that um, especially written piece of music, what a minute long? Nope, complete cantata. You know, and with one single crescendo in it that that matters so much that as an assassination could happen. And this is the genius of Hitchcock. Absolutely. So anyway, my my point was was that is that I mean. If you're an extra or an actor or whatever, you've got to be sitting there going, this guy is insane. I mean, he's got the entire Albert Hall, which is massive, by the way. It is a cavern of a place. And then, you know, he's got a few cameras set up and whatnot. God knows how long it took them to make that uh, that whole scene. But my word, it's beautiful. It sounds amazing. And it looks incredible. And it's just, oh, but it, it's stunning. Absolutely stunning. 
Although I must admit, I, I must admit, sorry, hang on, mate. I was, I just had your voice in my head um, because the, the the bit after the shooting, we'll get that into a second, but the bit after the shooting and, and um, uh, uh, Jill runs out and I just saw it, the big sign hanging up saying stalls and they just said K. And all I could hear was you going, all right, K. And it was just, yeah. <laughs> There's a throwback to some old school out of my Clarence. Goodness me. <laughs> you really you really are a long time listener. I really am. <laughs> All right, Kay. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, uh, Jill, um, <clears throat> for those of you who haven't seen it, we won't spoil what happens at the Albert Hall, but let's just say that everything doesn't come off the way that it was planned, um, which leads to... Um, Bob, who is still being held hostage at the church with Betty, the assassin Ramon, who has, shall we say, failed to assassinate his target? We won't say how. He gets chased back to the church by the police, which then leads to, when I first saw this film, you know, and I'd seen a few Hitchcock films by then, um, I was expecting some kind of, like, sort of small, quiet twist to kind of finish the film Instead, Hitchcock just goes bull out on this huge East End shootout. I mean, the scale of that end sequence is is crazy. That's based on a real um, a real siege that took place actually, oh, the Sydney Street Siege, which <laughs> I, I, I mean I have a personal connection to, but I'll explain that to you after we finish recording. But um, was a real siege that happened in the East End of London. Uh, Churchill ordered the guards in, basically, and they surrounded the buildings, and they had this big, you know, um, crazy action predator-style Arnold Schwarzenegger shoot. So Hitchcock said, "Let's bring that into the." <laughs> Hitchcock said, "Let's bring this into the film." I like and it. He recreated this scene, and I absolutely love this part of the film as well. I think what a great way to crown That's off brilliant. such a, you know, a, you know, an inventive thriller. Yeah, uh, is to have. All of a sudden, let's just cast away the characters you've gone to meet and let's meet policemen. Yeah. These ordinary guys who've been given rifles, don't know how to use them really. Yeah. Marching into houses saying, Can you please clear out? We're going to use your house as a f- fort, basically. You have yeah. like, a girl being marched out of her bedroom and she's just. Do you, you, know, do you think there's something on purpose in, in the way that there's a scene that, yeah, they march a, a rather attractive young lady out of her bedroom? And one of the police officers who's married sort of makes a lewd comment and then he gets a bullet in the face. Well, I did. And yeah, I mean, that's quite telling, isn't it? You know, that's the idea of the production coach. Shall we? Well, he's married. <laughs> he, he's makes married. A lewd, he makes a lewd comment about the fact that the bed's still warm. <laughs> like it's, and then moments later, he gets a bullet through the face and falls yeah. down dead. Um, and then you have an old man, you know, can I get the safety, please? And they say, well, can, you know, we're going to use your room as a as a, as a a fort to shoot at these people. Yeah. They move his piano. And he- this this was brilliant, though. Did you, did you notice that um, the way the actor, the old man who was taking his plant off the piano, they're moving the piano towards him and he has no escape. And thankfully, the camera cuts away from it very quickly <laughs> because he had nowhere to go. Like you're going to get shot, son. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like, right, you could get under the bed or you could just die. <laughs> yeah, I was watching that just going, he can't go anywhere. What are you doing? <laughs> Crucially, and the, what I love about this, this whole part is that people can be talking to each other around a corner 
And all of a sudden, they fall down dead and they got a bullet in their face. You're like, can you please go and knock the door so we can get in there? And the guy walks over there and sort of knocks the door and he gets shot in the head. You know, and then, then, then the policeman who's setting up near the window, all of a sudden a hail of bullets come through and the guy you've been sort of warming to over the past two or three minutes, he falls down dead and he's, you know, it's like very unsafe. You know, the whole sequence is just designed to be, oh, my God, it's very shocking. Yeah. I, w- I would also like to give notice to um, Peter Laurie's uh, lackadaisical style to shooting, which is that he literally <laughs> just points his gun out the window and fires. He doesn't even look where it's going. You notice that the guy that he's firing at just falls down dead straight away. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 don't get me wrong. He's a crack shot. He's brilliant. But it's just that he just sort of goes, bang. Uh, oh, God. I hit someone. <laughs> the whole the whole sequence could have been very throwaway. I think you know when he gets to the, like yeah. the 40s, you know, sort of RKO Universal B movie stuff. Mm. They were doing this stuff all the time, sure. but somehow theirs were very weightless. Mm. Whereas Hitchcock's here in the 30s, ten years before, every every shot seems to matter. You know. Oh yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, so then, obviously, um, you said you didn't want to spoil what happened before. So if you don't want to spoil what happens at the end, then that's fine. But um, so uh, there's a circularity, should we say, to everything that yeah. happens. And when when you think of the okay. first sort of five minutes of the film, what happens at the end really does kind of tie a bow around everything. Yeah, which is yeah, uh, I agree. Cool. I agree. Um, but the um, let's put it this way: I mean, it's not spoiling it, but it does have a happy ending. However, however, there are happy-ish. a couple happy-ish. There are, but there are a couple of bits that really surprised me. Uh, again, we won't spoil, but um, someone gets shot across the wrist, which opens up an artery, which was a surprise. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> that's that's harsh. Someone gets shot through a door, and didn't see that coming either because they don't hesitate. They just shoot through a door. When you when you say someone got shot through a door. I'm assuming you're ter- you're referring to the Peter Laurie character. Yeah. Okay. We're going to spoil it. Yeah. Shut up, it. Um, we're going to have to spoil that because obviously he dies in the end. But um, in the film script and in the film descriptions, which you can read on IMDb okay. and Wikipedia, it suggests that he shot himself. But they shoot through the door. Yeah. But did you get that from? No. The- I I um, just I just assumed the police killed him by shooting through the door. Yeah. That's what it looks like, right, to me. And I, I was reading articles about it today, and apparently he shoots himself, which you can see from when the door swings open after. Yeah. He is pointing the gun at himself, and the smoke is coming from the gun. Huh. Which I did not, I did not get at all. No. I did not I didn't. get that. I didn't. All I heard was that the watch gave him away, and that the police discovered that he was behind the door yeah. with open fire. They were, they were stood there listening for ages, and they could hear it, and they saw him and, and blew him away. I mean, no, I, I didn't get at all that he shot himself. Right, okay. So in the original script, he shot himself. On IMDb, he shot himself. In Wiki- On the Wikipedia article, it says he clearly shot himself. I did not get that at all. No, me neither. Me neither. But there we go. The police reunite uh, father and daughter, and she seems to hate her dad for some reason, and I don't know why... <laughs> She doesn't seem to want to go to him. 
I know she's. I know she's been horribly traumatized. Are you, are you talking about the very end of the film? Yeah, yeah. When she's coming yeah, yeah. down off the roof, when she's been chased up there, and she just she doesn't seem to want to go. And it's like, but he has just done everything to save your life, you ungrateful little cow. And and she's just, yeah, she did not. She did not want to go. She was more happy to see her mum. And it was like, all right, fair enough. But it was like, but he's just risked his life for you. His wrist is split open. <laughs> See, I, I, I totally get um, the uh, what you're saying. I, I actually thought like, when we were talking about before how good she is as an actress, Nova Pilbeam. I mean, you have to say, as a child actress, she is incredible in this. And I found that moment at the end when she's coming down the ladder and kind of. Uh, almost um, reticent to hug her father because she doesn't know really whether it's safe to or not. I found her that to be more of a kind of you know she's so traumatized by what's happened um, that she she just can't believe that she's finally safe. And <laughs> fair enough. All right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But you know, I I wanted uh, the end of the railway children, daddy, and f-ing bang. You know, that's that's what I wanted, and I didn't get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I get you. I get you. Absolutely. I mean, he has literally just risked life and limb, and and also, by the way, we must we must point out kicking down a door quietly, which I've never seen before, <laughs> which I was really impressed with. That's very good of you to note that. I actually thought that tonight when I rewatched this film just before we had a chat, and I must yeah. be honest, when he punched a hole through a panel door. <laughs> You know, he does with a guy behind silently. it with a gun, and who didn't hear him? That's kind of like, hang on. <laughs> it is, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, but uh, well, we're actually at the end of the film now, aren't we? So yeah, but um, yeah, but it was just, I mean, for, as we say, seventy-five minutes. What a wild ride! And it's just, as I say, so much I, happens. As I said, I know I said it slowed down a little bit in that chair sequence, but and that's fine. That's just my personal preference. But the rest of it is just it it, it doesn't let you go. It's just balls to the wall. It's just like yeah, here's what you're watching. Well, it's it it's literally presenting you with everything you need to know. It's a bit like a, a well, um, it's a bit like a modern day Clint Eastwood movie. Everything you need to see is on the screen. You don't need to see anything else. And so um, you've got to imagine that um, uh, Eastwood is uh, quite um, influenced by Hitchcock. But um, it just goes for it, doesn't it? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't like, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to sell you some art here. I'm not trying yes. to like, get a message across. So just all you need to do is dig your fingers into the armrests and hang on. And then by the end of it, you're going to be thrilled. And I think this totally achieves it. Something we haven't mentioned because I'm actually not sure if it actually exists, is that, um, is there a Hitchcock cameo in this film? There is. 33 minutes, yeah. Well, I, I, I did not notice it. Where, where was it? So basically, when they uh, discover the whereabouts of the Sun Worshippers Church, just after the dentist part, they are just about to go into the church, and um, Uncle Clive says something like, uh, are those plainclothes men? over there oh yeah um so they peek around the corner and then they say it's cool let's get in there basically so they turn around and go back towards the church and hitchcock walks past them at that moment ah i'm gonna have to watch that again because i missed that completely well there we go wonderful um okay then my friend uh, a rating 
for the man who knew too much. Okay, <clears throat> let's do a rating. I'm going to say to you, Smokey. Yes, sir. First of all, I'm going to rate this film, I'm going to say nine. Mm-hmm. I have ten for me. Mm-hmm. I want to come back to you on another rating in a moment. Oh, Nine out of ten for me. I think it loses a point slightly because I think the first act, um, upon rewatching, I do think it's kind of muddled. I do think there's a lot of exposition and I think it's badly handled. But I think when you're in the meat of the story, I think it's kind of flawless. Fair days. Fair days. Well, I was looking at um, <clears throat> the um, the Hitchcock films I've rated um, uh, because I, I've told you before, I rate everything online. And... Um, um, but I've also told you that I ration Hitch- Hitchcock movies. Um, I don't want to run out, basically. Probably until the day I die. There'll probably still be one left before I die. Um, I don't know what it'll be, but... Um, please please don't make it Topaz. But, uh, but I, I've i seen Topaz, <laughs> and I actually enjoy Topaz. So. <laughs> Some of it's all yeah, right. I enjoy Topaz, it's fine. <laughs> but um, I have not ever rated... Um, a Hitchcock movie below an eight, ever, of all the ones I've seen, and I'm still not going to because this one is an eight for me. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, there's just something. There's just something missing. It's not a masterpiece. It's not. But there's just something missing that isn't a rear window, and exactly. it yeah. isn't. Okay. And and it. It, it it's so hard to pick, especially when you're a Hitchcock fan. It's so hard to pick apart why you love him as much as we do. Um, obviously, <laughs> some of us love him more than others, but um, no, it's just um, um, it's not Vertigo, and it's just there's just something. Yeah, it's, no, it's 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 not perfect. I totally get that. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I wish I was a better film reviewer, but there's just something missing. Um, how, uh, but I, I, I can't take anything away from any of the performances. Everyone in it is great. Um, it looks beautiful. The bits in Switzerland are great. The bits in the, you know, East End of London. Yes, bring it. Grimy. Love it. Grimy Hitchcock. Yeah, bring it on. And then, you know, because he, when he returns to London in frenzy and it's in colour, but it's still grimy. It's all like, yes. All right, here we go. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's almost like a continuation. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Frenzy is a f***ing horrible film, but I still really enjoy it. Um, but there's just something about this. But I, I would not ever hesitate to uh, recommend this film uh, to anyone who... Hitchcock, Hitchcock fan or not. Um, but something I did want to ask you before we, uh, before we close out is that... Uh, you probably have been asked this before, but... Um, if you were going to recommend a Hitchcock movie to someone who'd never seen a Hitchcock film, what would you start them off with? Uh, Strangers on a Train. Nice. That's a good show. Uh, Foreign Correspondent and Shadow of a Doubt. Oof. Strangers on a Train. It's probably... Um, it just gets the amount of terror, right? It gets the thriller level, right? It's a visually majestic movie. Um, and also, it is just it's so witty, it's funny, it's romantic, it's horrifying. I mean, it's impossible to, to pick one 
But I would say probably because I'm a golden age nut, Strangers on a Train is probably the most quintessential amount of Hitchcock in every genre. I think Psycho is a perfect movie, and but but the thing is, it's, it's too much it's though. Too much. It's too much horror. Yeah. Um, the birds. The birds is too much horror. North by Northwest is too much thriller. You know, you know, every movie has too much something. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And but I was going to say was that um, if someone was asking me that question, uh, there is no way I would recommend Psycho. I love Psycho. Don't get me wrong; it's a ten out of ten. It's a perfect film. But there is no way I would recommend that as the very first Hitchcock to watch. No, no, no chance. No, 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 no. It's um, it's a, it's a film. It's a film that will blow your mind. Doesn't matter when you see it. You know. Uh, the man who knew too much. Oh God! It's like every single piece of Hitchcock. It just it tells a different part of him. It sounds like this is a wacky <laughs> thing to say. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. I love watching you struggle. It's so much fun. <laughs> I think if you watch Strangers on a Train, you get you are horrified. You're thrilled. You yeah. you laugh. You're romanced by it. I agree. You're 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 just dumbfounded by the artistry. You know, it's kind of like it's mm-hmm. one of those films that kind of ticks every box. It's not my favorite, but um, it, it definitely um, it definitely it definitely it's a good place to start. If, you could watch that film and go, oh my god, I need to know everything else. <laughs> I think that is an incredibly forgive not patronizing at all, but that's an incredibly mature way of looking at it because you didn't just go for your favorite, which I was kind of veering towards going towards my favorite, but it was just sort of like, no, 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 he's probably right. That's actually, that's, yeah, Strangers on a Train. What a great shout. I didn't even, I didn't even think of There's that. a horror, horrifying murder. You know, there's horrifying, the the secret, the suspense, yeah, exactly, the suspense, like just tears your guts apart. It's um, it's not a film I watch all the time. It's not a film I revisit. But I have to say, it's it's a film I've showed to my children, and um, they've they've come away going, I really want to see more Hitchcock, and they've gone on and explored and found their own path into Hitchcock yeah. because of that film. Yeah, so, um, it, it's so a bit Strange like on Train is probably the best gateway. It's a bit like for me. It's like a bit like a Dial M for Murder. It's just sort of like yeah, it's a it's a wonderful film. But I love that film. I, I do too, but I yeah. wouldn't recommend it as your first. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It's not yeah. the gateway movie. Yeah, no. It's not the gateway movie. Yeah, yeah. Everyone needs their own gateway to Hitchcock, and uh, whether you stumble across it or someone has recommended it to you, everyone has their own. And and I don't think we can emphasize it enough. Is that yeah, you will find your own if you haven't found one yet. You will get there, and when it happens, you'll be like, okay. My 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 favorite Hitchcock movie of all time is Rebecca. I know it is. But I don't think I don't think it exemplifies his output enough for me to say that's the first one to go to. Um I also love Foreign Correspondent, which I think is a perfect film. I was just about to say I thought Foreign Correspondent was your favorite. No, no. Rebecca's probably my favorite film of all time. Foreign Correspondent is a like a perfect movie, but I don't think it exemplifies Hitchcock completely i think it's it's thrilling and i think it's the set pieces in it are flawless and it's very funny but i don't think it horrifies enough this is the problem when you talk about hitchcock right because now i turn around and and because it's just the most safe and acceptable answer and and not this is not the reason why i'm saying it but it just seems that way nowadays especially in the 21st century is that 
Rear Window is my favourite Hitchcock. Mm. But it's just, Rear Window. It's just genius. It's well. just perfect. But it it just seems the safe answer to give these days. And so I'm sort of like thinking, well, should I say something else? It's like no. I'm not going to because it is. You don't need to. No, no I don't. No. Rear windows. Rear windows are perfect. I slightly. I, uh, I'm. I'm slightly uh, of the opinion that I don't think it's quite horrifying enough. Like, there's no son in that film that wants to murder his father. Like, that <laughs> whole concept is in, is instantly like you know just wow. sends a chill up your spine. Okay. Uh, you know. You know. You have a man who walks into a. a a person's house intending to kill an old man yeah. and who finds that the old man he's about to murder is in fact the guy who set him up to do it yeah. you know and then you have a tennis match and then you have like a woman being strangled in the reflection of her own glasses this this isn't like rear window by the way <laughs> no this is strange <laughs> can i get your opinion then briefly on uh, throw mama from the train <laughs> no you can't <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember it. <laughs> good, good. You're lucky. I remember seeing it years ago. Uh, Smokey, I need to ask you a question. Yes, now, sir. Because we gave our ratings on um, the man who knew so much. I gave it we a nine. Did. You gave it an eight. We did. Yeah. Now, the reason you asked me to pick a film this time was because you wanted something British. Mm. So I'm going to ask you now yes. what you think of this film in terms of how would you rate this in terms of um, a depiction of. Britishness, I would say. You know, did you feel that this came up with the goods? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, there's nothing quite like it. I mean, uh, obviously, I'm I'm a child of the 80s, so I'm looking back on the 1930s. And so uh, looking at that and sort of having to guess how sensibilities were at the time. But, I mean, but... uh, something we mentioned uh, previously in the review where uh, we mentioned obsession and um uh, remember it's obsession not suspicion suspicion and um yeah, yeah. suspicion and um <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah no I, I, it's incredibly british but we'll go back to what I what I've said before which is that the reason I didn't want you to pick brief encounter because that is the, for me personally, that is the most quintessentially British film ever. Mm. I mean, it really is. I mean, you can't get much more British, stiff upper lipped. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love that film. It's beautiful and I adore it. And I cry every <laughs> time. <laughs> but it is, it is lovely. Um, if I was going to put it up against any film for Britishness, it would be um, The Lady Killers mm. because that is one of my favourite films of all time. Mm. And to see, oh, oh, you know, you think about it, you've got Alec Guinness and Peter Sellers and Herbert Lom and it's just, it's just so, and Mrs. Lopsided and playing the violins. And Don't you, don't you find that um, the most um, representative films of uh, places are always the ones that are more lower class? than upper class you know like you wouldn't like, I, I would say you know if, if Smokey picked me a film and if you picked uh, the importance of being earnest or you know some drawing room comedy um, it wouldn't land as much as something like The Lady Killers like you just said yeah. or The Man Who Knew Too Much or something that's down on the streets with the people you that's know? a very good point it's kind of like you want to you yeah. know what you want to know what 
life is like almost N- not what life yeah. is like for some yeah i w- I, I wouldn't pick the um yeah, I wouldn't pick the uh, Downton Abbey movie. Exactly. You know, because yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> it's just... No, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, well, let me put it this way. Um, on Rated H, we just reviewed uh, The Driller Killer, which is is uh, is set in uh, New York. And it's the down and dirty, grimy side of New York in the 70s, um, where everyone was stoned and hungry. And it's like, do you represent that with New York? And I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, really do. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So when you when you're looking at uh, England, I suppose it is that. But oh, oh actually, here's a good one. A uh, Kez for England. Mm. You know, yeah. it's very it's very lower class. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's working I, class. It's very working class. I actually don't like Kez, and I know people love it, but I I just found mm. it interminably I'd, boring. I've, I've watched it once, and I would never watch it again. No, I, yeah, I found it. I found it so dull. But um, um, uh, scum Ray Winston in Borstal, you know you, you, that that's your lower class British thing. Yeah, um, I would find that more British than an upper class um, uh, setting. If you will. So the the reason I asked it was because when um you said to me I wanted to pick me a really British film, the the reason I chose the man who knew too much was because a it's Hitchcock, you know we haven't done one yet. B it's probably the one of the five thrillers he did that is a good and you know kind of overlooked. I mean the Thirty Nine Steps and the Lady Vanishes gets way more attention than the man who knew too much, and and. Also because I think it shows that kind of like that low sort of side of life yeah. that I think exem- exemplifies any kind of nation. You know, if you want to look at America, you don't look at, you know, legally blonde. You look at French connection. You know, you, 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 do you know what I mean? It's like you want to go to the bar. Of all the things you were going to say, people. that never oh, entered my head. <laughs> <laughs> legally blonde. <laughs> Wrong exactly, you. you know, but do you know what I mean though? You don't go <laughs> to do. wedding crashes, you don't go oh, to legally blonde. Christ. You want to go to like you know, you know, where, where it's happening, you know, where people yeah. are actually living. Yeah, crocodile um, and Exactly. I want to see Australia. You gotta, you know, you gotta crocodile no, and You don't gotta walk York. about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I completely understand what you mean, and um. Yeah, it's it's odd now when you think about it, isn't it? And you sort of think about quintessential movies of of certain countries, you know. Mm. I mean, you know, we should. They're, they're always the working class movies. Yeah, yeah. Huh. We might have to delve into that a little bit more as time goes on. I think. Hundred percent. Yeah. Huh. There we go. <laughs> okay. So um, yeah. So there we go. That was the man who knew too much. That was the man who knew what? too much. Uh, well, yeah, we went for a, a lot longer than we meant to, but who cares? What's the time? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's our show. Who cares? Who cares? Um, right. So, uh, important stuff. Well, semi-important stuff. Uh, if you want to be cool, like um, like Ann Rogers and like Zach and like that person over there who, who called me a sailor. Bleh, don't care. <laughs> But if you want to get in touch with us, you can. I love you, Brad. Yeah, well, Brad. Um, all the best lines are gmail.com and you can find us on Twitter at bestlinespod. Um, right, next episode, uh, we have another guest. Well, we're hoping to, it, right? Oh, 
He confirmed, sorry. He He's confirmed. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, yes, yeah. yeah, so we do yeah. have a guest. We do, we do. It's it's our friend Ali from the... Uh, you, you've been on his podcast, haven't you? I was very proud to be on uh, Ali's show, yes. It was called Russophiles Unite, and I talked about War and Peace, starring Audrey Hepburn. And Ali has very kindly offered to join us for a show on a lovely romantic comedy starring Greta Garbo. Which is called uh, Ninochka. So that'll be the next episode, Smokey. How are you feeling about that? I I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on it, whether I like it or not. So I uh, I, I look forward to it with bated breath, like I do with all of our choices. Um, oh, I should just point out is that um, I I did get the episode order wrong in the last episode. I assumed this was. Um, uh, episode nine, which is not, is episode ten. So I am going to choose a film, but it will be. I'm going to push it back to episode fifteen. So we're we're going to have Ali on the next one. Adam will choose the next few, and then I will uh, choose episode fifteen. What's on episode fifteen? I'm not telling you. It's a surprise. Why not? Because it's. A... I'm I'm not telling you what's on the next episode then. But I give you the genre. You have to provide that. Come at me. Okay. I will. I'm seeing you in July. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right all right all right we both we both need to lose so we're gonna leave so my friend it, badly, badly all right all right all right <laughs> i'm glad we close it out this has been absolutely lovely and yeah it's been all the best lives uh, bye f- hell i can't win anyway my good friend until next time all the best lines <laughs>the best way to get Smokey to like things is to mute them and then put a bag on Smokey's head basically oh thanks as any York prostitute will tell you <laughs> 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 oh you are such a tart today what the hell is going on sorry <laughs>